You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to what will be making news and moving markets over the coming days, although perhaps more appropriately in this case, what you might need to know for the new year. I'm Robert Miller. That means looking at what lies ahead for the world's largest economy and whether the Bank of England might want to revise its own interest rate timetable. That's after the Federal Reserve finally provided liftoff. And you have to feel for our clothing retailers. The warm weather seems to have caused havoc at the tills. Finally, what about oil and even gold? We'll be asking our resident expert for some predictions. I'm joined on the line from New York by Alexandra Freen, The Times US business editor. And here in the studio, we have Simon English, deputy business editor of The Times and Marcus LaRue, our industrial correspondent. Welcome to you all. Alex in New York, I have to say, well done. You were right in the previous broadcast. You stated definitively that the US Federal Reserve would indeed raise interest rates. I assume that the harder part now is predicting what lies ahead for the US economy in general and, and obviously Wall Street. Yes, indeed. I think that um, the future trajectory of the US economy is is pretty easy to figure out. We're going to see low, steady growth. Um, the Fed actually just slightly upgraded its uh, outlook for growth um, next year um, to 2.4%. That's not spectacular, but it is expansion nonetheless. Um, Wall Street is um, a bit more uncertain. We have seen a positive reaction so far. Traders are hoping now for a Santa Claus rally in the run-up to, to Christmas. Looks like we might be getting that. Looking ahead, once, once the euphoria or people think they've priced this uh, interest rate rise into the market. Is it fair to say that the economy in America is still fairly weak? Yes, it's very vulnerable to external shocks. You've only got to look at what happened in, in the summer where, you know, China sneezed and America caught a cold. People are still very jumpy and, and anxious and, and they, they don't quite trust the numbers. I mean, jobs are expanding. The services sector is expanding. Consumers have a huge windfall in their pockets from lower oil prices, and yet it doesn't feel good. People don't feel like things are going well. And I think it's this nervousness is holding back consumer spending, and it's holding back confidence uh, amongst ordinary Americans to go out and spend. So. It's, it's this really odd situation where the Fed is saying, look, everything's right. We have recovered. We are back to normal. And yet nobody feels very normal. I think looking ahead, what the Fed has got to do is carry on reassuring people that everything is okay. They have suggested there might be four interest rate rises next year. My guess is that the next one will be in March. And the, the key really will be for Janet Yellen 
the chair of the Fed to, to keep saying positive things about the economy because I think there's a real confidence issue here and that, that's really key. And I just would like to add, if I may, is how wonderful Janet Yellen was at uh, the Federal, Federal Reserve's press conference when she announced the rise in interest rate. I think she's the closest thing to a queen that America has. She's regal. She's um, superior without being arrogant. She's supremely confident, slightly long-suffering with all the journalists who ask her very long questions. And she, she responds to everything with this wonderful, thick Brooklyn accent. She's just, just wonderful. Well, if that makes good uh, audio and television, Simon, let me bring you in here. With, if Janet Yellen is the queen of monetary policy in America, would you say Mark Carney was the king of monetary policy here in Britain? Well, I, I think I'm uh, in, in somewhat of an increasing minority uh, amongst my colleagues and uh, economists in the city, and I do think he is the king. I think he's great. Not many uh, or increasingly large number of people would uh, disagree with me, I think. I think our economics editor, Phil Aldrich, would say that he's a flip-flopper who can't make up his mind. I think our chief business commentator, Alice Rosborn, would say something similar. I think Mark Gottlieb's great. Um, I think he's dealing with an uh, extraordinary set of very difficult circumstances. And I think he gets reported badly, not by our lot, of course, but every time he says anything, it gets reported as if this was different from what he said before. That's just because newspapers need a new line. It's not because Mark Carney's position has, uh, has changed that much. So to answer your question, yes, I mean, I'd, well, I don't know, I suppose he wants to be uh, regarded as royalty, but to follow the surmise, if Janet Le- Yellen is the Queen, yeah, Mark Carney's king. He's a uh, He's the right man in the right job. What about the, uh, now that the US Federal Reserve, people often say, well, if, if they do it in, in, over there, then we follow here. Do you think that the decision by the Federal Reserve is going to change the Bank of England's thinking in any way and push, bring forward perhaps an interest rate rise in the UK? I don't know, but it's such an interesting question. It's such an interesting issue as to where we go from here. The assumption in economic circles is that if the Fed moves... Well, everyone else follows. I mean, the old trader kind of saw, the old trader cliche is you don't fight the Fed. If the Fed's going this way, well, that's what, that's where we're all going. Um, the Bank of England is, a, is so much less confident, I think, than it was six months ago about the state of the UK economy that they are no longer sure what to do. That's not because Mark Carney's an idiot, far from it. It's just circumstances. Uh, I've got them in a real pickle. So the figures yesterday that were most interesting, there was unemployment figures, which were great. The more important figures were the wages figures. Pay is not going up enough uh, for the Bank of England to be comfortable about putting rates up. Marcus? That is an interesting point, isn't it, Simon? Because the whole point about forward guidance was that it was uh, that interest rates, monetary policy would be tethered to unemployment rather than rather than wages, and if he do, if he does have a fly in his ointment, that's probably it, isn't it? That he was quite quite um, strident about about forward guidance, and now we have unemployment at whatever it is five and a half percent versus the seven percent he said would be a would be a trigger, or maybe I'm misreporting him. I think you are, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, his, his his point was to try and give as much forward guidance as possible, but the the key word there is guidance, uh, and when new information came in, well he changed what he thought and told everybody and then reporters said he's flip-flopped he's, his job's harder than mine and yours. Well as Keynes once put it didn't it he changed He changed his mind when the facts changed seems a good good point anyway we'll be talking about that for a long time. Simon let's move closer to home talk about the retailers oh, there seems to be something of a quiet crisis particularly going on in the clothing area during the autumn is that going to continue over the festive period and more importantly into January when the, all the trading statements come out a few yeah. days after yeah, it begins to look that way, doesn't it? We had a very interesting quote uh, 
uh, in the paper today. It was a, it was a, uh, a blind quote, uh, which we don't like that much of the times. But this was this was worth it. It was one of the country's very top retailers. We we can't tell you who it was, but uh, what he told us was that this was the weirdest autumn that he'd ever experienced in 30 years of being a retail. Uh, he said, you've got Black Friday, you've got this unseasonably warm weather, and then you had the attacks in Paris. People who run shops don't know what to do. They did have a, a good Black Friday and a good Cyber Monday, but there's a feeling that people may have spent what they were going to spend then, and uh, the kind of quiet, unspoken thing that nobody wants to get into, which is why this this, this person whose name I can't tell you is uh, is anonymous, is there is a feeling that uh, people are staying away from big department stores, they are staying away from big retail areas because they're worried about a terror attack. Would you agree with that, Marcus? I mean, you've covered the retail beat, you know a lot about them. Would you agree with Simon? Would you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the Paris effect will probably be uh, short-term because it has to be. You know, people have to have to to, to get on with life, um, and maybe for some people it will sort of push them a little bit towards towards online shopping. But for the most part, that'll come out in the wash in the high streets figures anyway, because that's all folded into the same figures. But the more interesting things that the seasonality of the the weather that it's interesting that 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 quote from um, from a top retailer came out roughly around the same time that that the uh, the, the Paris climate deal happened. Over the last few years, if you track it, you get more and more retailers complaining about seasonal particularly on the on, on the, the, the the fashion side complaining about cool wet summers or complaining about about warm mild winters and it is a fact that that for whatever reason weather is a little bit more predictable than it was a generation ago so who's going to win in those circumstances it'll be the the, the fast fashion guys the guys who have lead times of six weeks to the far east or or, or north africa who can get stuff in stock um, much more quickly don't have enormous overhangs don't have these don't have to put down huge bets effectively in the form of you know um, vast distribution centers full of summer frocks Alex let me bring you in here from New York is is the retail scene any any different over there after all there are quite a few uh, UK retailers who've tried to make it in in America what's the retail scene like coming up to the festive holiday over there well I think we share many similarities with the UK in that we've had this incredibly mild winter so it's really hit retailers people are not buying coats and boots uh, in in the uh, quantities that, that they normally do I don't really see myself any signs of numbers of foot traffic slackening off because of fears of terrorism but I think people are being a lot more careful about what they spend um, if you look at where money is being spent it's in supermarkets and fast food restaurants and, and grocery stores it's not in um, the high-end luxury it's not in the clothing retailers I mean that's that's coming up in the figures online retail will do really well this this winter just because People love love shopping online, but I think in the in the final days uh, before Christmas, we're going to see steep markdowns in in U.S. stores as as retailers uh, just try to offload inventory. I would just add, you know, Marcus made a really interesting point about how you know in the fashion world, it's the fast fashion names that that do well because they're able to bring in all these new lines really quickly. I think. The, the other area that's doing quite well here in the States is where retailers are making the experience of shopping more enjoyable, a more pleasant experience. You look at stores like Sephora, which sells makeup, or Lululemon, which sells yoga wear. The whole experience of going into those stores is really pleasant. They've made them like a community, like a club. You get all kinds of extras. And 
I think that's the way retailers are going to have to go. They're either going to have to cut their margins and, and, and compete on price, or they're going to have to add something extra to make it a delight to go into the store. All right, thanks for that, Alex. Just sit tight. Uh, finally, it's been a brutal year. We were talking about price going, but it's been a brutal year for commodities, markets in general, for both companies, their workforces, obviously, who are losing jobs, and indeed investors. Just remind us where we are in terms of the direction of the price of raw materials at the moment. In broad terms, most commodities would have peaked around 2011 when when, when China's urbanisation and, and, and phenomenal growth was, was hitting its stride. And since then, the price of everything from, from copper to, to iron ore to, to coal has fallen off quite steeply. But what's happened in the last six months or so is probably even more interesting, which was People expected things to be sort of bouncing along the bottom. Nobody expected Armageddon. And then, without really much warning, there was a, a broad-based collapse, a fresh collapse, and, you, and you're sort of hitting lows that were last seen in the weeks after Lehman Brothers for, for most commodities. Um, so, And it is, has completely caught the big miners on the hop, which is bad news for... Anybody who's retiring soon and has um, and has BHP Billiton, therefore Glencore, Anglo American, Rio Tinto in their in their portfolio by default, that these guys in the summer when they were all telling us what their their payouts were going to be and and telling us how they were going to to batten down the hatches didn't see this coming in the slightest, nor did the rest of the world. So really now the people are sort of piecing through the the, the wreckage and trying to to work out what the reasons for it were and which commodities have brighter prospects and therefore where they should be putting you know, their, 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 their investment into. Simon, let me bring you in here. I mean, Marcus makes the point of the terrible effect this has had on the stock market, surprise in general. The fund managers and traders you talk to, do you feel that's an overhang on sentiment that's going to carry on into the new year or is it something that they just learn to live with? I think that they're struggling to live with it at the moment, in truth. I think the, the interesting... Uh, question here that no one knows the answer to is whether this turn down in commodity stocks and in the oil price, whether it's cyclical or whether it's structural, and people aren't sure about that. In days gone past, uh, what would happen is you'd have an oil price wobble, price of gold goes down, price of copper does too, and say, well, this is just going to happen for a bit mm. and it will turn around. Now you've got people saying this might be what it is like for the next 10 or 20 years, and it, it's much harder to make. Uh, a bold call that you might have made 10 years ago. Shell shares are off, BP shares are off. It's a fantastic chance to buy some. And now I think you've got people going, we are no longer sure that that, that, that bet, it will, the, the notion that bet will come good eventually, people are no longer sure that, that it will. Alex, in New York, the Americans now lifting some of these uh, long-standing bans on oil exports. Is that going to really affect the global market that, that Simon and, and, and Marcus were talking about? It will eventually, because America is, is a big oil producer. American oil production has gone up 90, 90% since 2008. And the amount of oil coming from the shale fields is, is huge. What it won't do is um, lift the American oil producers very much, not with the price of oil so low. But there's another aspect to this, and that's the geopolitical aspect. You know, the, the, the ban on the export of U.S. oil was introduced in the 70s. America never wanted again to see its citizens queuing at the petrol pumps as it did during the um, 1973 oil embargo. It was a huge humiliation for the United States. And this lifting of the embargo really reflects a new reality of America's energy power. It is now an energy power. If 
a country such as Russia or any of the other oil producing nations threatens to cut off um, oil supplies, America will now be able to be there and to step in. So it it will affect the oil market in in a sort of geopolitical way and and eventually there is a lot of oil that that, that could land on the market. I would just say one other point though and this adds to what Simon was just saying is that no one really knows what's happening here and we don't know if this is a new reality we're going to have to live with. About a year ago I was speaking to a very leading oil trader in Texas and he said to me very glibly, he said, well the solution to the low oil price is lower oil price prices. The implication of that being that eventually it will correct itself, production will be cut back. That's just not happened. So all these rules of thumb that the traders were going by no longer stand. And and it's very, that the outlook is very uncertain. Marcus, you're nodding your head there. Well, that's absolutely right. The old adage that, that the cure for low oil prices is low oil prices probably still holds. But what people are uncertain of is how long that takes in this market to um, to come to fruition, I was chatting to Bob Dudley about this, and they've had uh, uh, the the BP boss, and he had he had said their lower for longer thesis had become lower for even longer, and you're beginning to pe- people are beginning to talk in terms of in terms of uh, several years or, or or even longer for for this extra supply to wa- to get washed out of the market. There's something like 1.5 trillion baller- dollars. 1.5 trillion, so 1,500 billion dollars of oil projects that need a that need a price of of above 50 dollars a barrel, and we're below 40 today. So at some point, that will feed through to 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 a fall in supply. When it happens is anyone's guess, because again, the sort of the 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 the, the U.S. frackers are looming large. That the ones who've gone away and you know packed up their drill kits can always come back it doesn't go anywhere so and i think that's what's underlying the saudis thinking where they've they're they're not taking their um their foot off the pumps that's why you've got record production from from saudi arabia um and the rest of opac bit mean marcus but oil end of 2016 what do you reckon the price range will be for a barrel well uh sort of health warning that i wouldn't uh, ask anybody to pile into an oil etf on my say so i i think it'll be no more than 60 i can't see it getting I don't really buy into the the twenty dollars a barrel scenario that you've seen right. um, recently. So I reckon sort of forty to sixty is the most likely band. Um, and we didn't really talk about gold. What about gold? That's another favourite exchange traded fund or ETF, isn't it? Sure. Well, this this takes us right back to, to where we started with with the Fed and what um, and what the, the Queen of US uh, monetary policy is going to do. That if you've got four rate rises next year. That's that's not good for for the gold price. Uh, other things being equal, but of course, those four rate rises are probably what's already baked into the gold price. So any variation from that will 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 feed through to the the gold price. Gold is 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 a completely unusual commodity in this sense, in that it is by far and away driven by 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 U.S. monetary policy and the value of the dollar. You know, the Still others be over a thousand dollars. Do you reckon? Now we're talking. Yeah, I, I, I reckon, I reckon it'll be around a thousand. Yeah. Okay, Alex, Wall Street, higher or lower at the end of twenty sixteen? I think it's largely going to tread water, and it will end the year slightly higher, maybe between two and four percent higher. That's not bad, Simon. What about a retail tip? Is there a particular retailer that you like that you'd be tucking away for twenty sixteen? Uh, yes, um, but my answer would. Is the same that I would give every year. Um, Next is the best-run retailer in Britain, possibly the best-run company in Britain. And uh, I saw a stat the other day. 
If you put a thousand pounds into next ten years ago, it's now worth about seven thousand quid. I think it won't go far wrong. Okay, well, thank you all for that, and that's it for now, and indeed this year. But remember to keep up to date with all the financial news on our website. That's throughout the festive period. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Alexandra Freen in New York and Simon English and Marcus LaRue here in London. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back in three weeks' time. So in the meantime, on behalf of Alex, Simon and Marcus here in the studio, as well as our production editors, David Maguire and Tom Knowles, have a wonderful Christmas and a very happy new year. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.